Amen and amen. I hope that you have sensed the presence of the Lord in this place today. Amen? And we are grateful for His presence and working in our lives and our hearts. Today we're going to conclude this series of Letters to the Bride as we finish up 2 Timothy. And since we're finishing up, it would be appropriate then that we call this message, Be a Finisher. So we're talking about finishing. So finish, think about finishing, we think about finish line. We think of finishing off, we think of finish your supper, uh, finishing touches, finishing nails, and I'll be glad when the preacher's finished, right? But the word finish means to bring to completion, to come to an end, and Paul is about to finish the race. Paul's ministry and life are about to be over here on the earth. And so he tells us in this passage, in this chapter 4 of 2 Timothy, that his departure is at hand. And we'll talk about that as we move through. But if you recall that Paul is writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to Timothy, who is at Ephesus. And this letter would be read to the churches there at, at, the church there at Ephesus. And so it is a letters to the bride from Christ. It is a letters to the bride for who we are, the bride of Christ. It's for us to hear as well as Timothy. And so these words that Paul is writing to Timothy here in chapter 4, these are the last words that he would write before his death. And he realizes it. So these are very important words that he wants Timothy to hear as he finishes up this letter. And so as we look at these final thoughts here, we see that Paul gives us his final thoughts as well as gives us an example and an exhortation to be a finisher. So in honor and reverence to the Word of God, we're going to look at 2 Timothy 4. If you would please stand as I read this passage for us today. Paul says these words to Timothy, and it is for us to hear. I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at His appearing and His kingdom, preach the Word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and teaching. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers, and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. But you be watchful in all things. Endure afflictions. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry." For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day, and not to me only, but also to all who loved his appearing. Be diligent to come to me quickly, for Demas has forsaken me. Having loved this present world and has departed for Thessalonica, Christians for Galatia, Titus for Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you, for he's useful to me for ministry. And Tychicus I have sent to Ephesus. Bring the cloak that I left with Carpus at Troas when you come, and the books, especially the parchments. Alexander the coppersmith did me much harm. May the Lord repay him according to his works. You also must beware of him, for he has greatly resisted our words. At my first defense, no one stood with me, but all forsook me, and may it not be charged against them. But the Lord stood with me and strengthened me, so that the message might be preached fully through me, and that all the Gentiles might hear. Also, I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion. 
And the Lord will deliver me from every evil work and preserve me for his heavenly kingdom. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet Prisca and Aquila and the household of Onesiphorus. Erastus stayed in Corinth, but Trophimus I have left at Miletus sick. Do your utmost to come before winter. Eubulus greets you, as well as Pudens, Linus, Claudia, and all the brethren. The Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. And grace be with you. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you that there's power in the word of God. We pray that you would use this time this morning to speak to our hearts, to spur us on, to give us a greater passion for you, to love you more. Lord, help us come away from this passage of scripture with a determination in our hearts that we will finish well as your believers, as your followers, as your disciples. God, I pray that you would use me as your instrument. Lord, I am nothing, but you are everything. And I pray, Lord, that you would speak to every heart here today. If there are those who don't know Jesus, this would be that time of salvation where they say, yes, I want you to be the Lord of my life. For those of us who do know you, Father, I pray that it would be a time of recommitment of saying, I want to follow Jesus, that I've decided to follow him, and there's no turning back, but I press on faithfully for the Lord. Father, may you stir that up in each of our hearts today, and I pray that you'd have your way in us. And may the words of my mouth and meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Well, you see the outline. For today's message is in the bulletin. And what we've seen from the book of 2 Timothy already is that in chapter 1, Timothy is encouraged by Paul to be faithful. In chapter 2, to be focused. In chapter 3, to be fearless. We talked about last week. And today, to be a finisher. As we really see the example and the exhortation of Paul to be this finisher. And so we find here the first thing that we see in Paul is that he is encouraging Timothy. He's being a finisher, really. Paul is spurring. Spurring, all right? In Paul's final days, what do we find him doing? What in the final words in which he is writing out the final days as he's in prison, what is he doing but spurring on Timothy? He is spurring on Timothy, pressing him to keep at the task that is before him. He is pressing him on. He's, not, he's pressing him on not to make more money. He's not pressing him on to, to climb the pastoral ladder. He's not pressing him on to even to increase his numbers or to create a new program for church growth. God bless him. Rather, what he's doing is he's pressing him to keep at that which he's been called to do. You see, Paul has mentored Timothy. He has discipled Timothy. He has encouraged Timothy. He has taught Timothy. And as Paul's days are coming to an end, he is now spurring Timothy on to, first off, to complete the calling. To complete the calling. Paul is saying, Timothy, Timothy, you need to complete this calling on your life. And so he starts in in verse 1 of chapter 4. He says, I charge you. I charge you, Timothy. I charge you before God and the Lord Jesus Christ. I am charged. You can sense Paul's passion. You can sense Paul's emotion here. I am charging you. It's a command. I'm commanding you. I'm direct. It's a forceful directive. This is what you must do, Timothy. But what is it? Verse 2. 
Timothy, I charge you to preach the word. Preach the word. The word preach means to herald or to proclaim. The word, of course, is the word of God. It is the scripture. It is the the gospel, to preach the gospel, to preach the doctrine, that which Paul has been teaching. Preach the word. Because just in a few verses prior to these verses in this part of the letter, he talks about how the word of God is powerful for salvation and how it's profitable for instruction and correction and doctrine and proof. So he is saying the word of God is powerful, it's profitable. Preach the word. And he says do so with readiness. Be ready in season and out of season. That means whether it's convenient, Timothy, or whether it's not convenient. Whether it's welcomed or whether it's not welcomed. You preach the word. And as you're preaching, then you convince, you rebuke, you exhort. Which means convincing and correcting and comforting and challenging. As you're preaching, this is what you're to be about, Timothy. Preaching the word. Being ready all the time, convincing, correcting, challenging, comforting with long-suffering and teaching. The word long-suffering means inexhaustible patience. As you preach the word to the people, Timothy, you need to have inexhaustible patience. Some will hear, some will not, but be faithful in the teaching. Preach the word. And then he goes on to verses 3 and 4, and he talks about how False teaching and false doctrine is here, Timothy, and it will continue. We've dealt with false doctrines and false teachers a lot already in this series. I'm not going to dwell here. But we know that this has been some thousands of years ago, and the false doctrines that were there are still around. Amen? They're still hanging around. False teachings and false doctrines continue. And he goes on and he says to Timothy in verse 5, but even though there's, you have all these people who are warning teachers who are going to be teaching them false doctrines, you be watchful in all things. In other words, you be on guard. You have this clear-headedness, this sober-mindedness about what is taking place, and you maintain the faith. You stay at it. You be watchful, and you endure afflictions. You're going to go through some difficult times, Timothy. But as you go through those difficult times and during afflictions, you do the work of an evangelist. You point people to Jesus. So preach the word, pointing people to Jesus, enduring the afflictions, enduring going through these things in life, and enduring and see, being careful about these false teachers, and fulfill your ministry. Complete your calling. Stay at it, Timothy. Paul here is spurring Timothy on these last words to keep at it. And of course, we have the example of Paul because that's certainly how Paul lived out his faith. Amen. He lived out his faith this exact same way. But friends, here this, we see this and we see it's for Timothy and we think, okay, well, that was for Timothy. Oh, no, guess what? That's for you and me too, right? Amen. All of us here also are to preach the word, proclaiming the word, proclaiming the truth, because the word of God is powerful, powerful for salvation. It's profitable. Preaching the word, heralding the word. But that's what we pay you for, Pastor Joy. No, 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 no. I'm the pastor, but we're all preachers, amen? We preach the word. We herald it. We proclaim the word of God to people. We point them to Jesus. And as we're proclaiming that word, we're always to be ready to proclaim the truth of who Jesus is, realizing the steady stream of worldliness that is constantly pressing against us. Have you felt that in life as believers? Amen. 
is constantly pushing against us, but we are to be consistent and persistent and to preach the word faithfully, enduring, pointing people to Jesus, fulfilling your ministry. You're to fulfill your ministry. But pastor, I'm really not important. I'm not anybody. How can I fulfill a ministry? God has given you a ministry, brothers and sisters. If you are a child of God, you have a ministry of some sort. You have a gift that needs to be used. You have a ministry that God has given you. You are to fulfill that ministry. Your ministry, not somebody else's ministry. Fulfill your ministry, whatever that looks like in your life. Fulfill your ministry. As Paul is encouraging Timothy to, to press on as a fellow believer and as, his, as a disciple, as a mentor. Friends, we also need to be about that business as well. There are people in our, that we come in contact with all the time, people that we have a community group with or Sunday school with. We need to be encouraging each other to keep pressing on. We need people to encourage us and we need to encourage other people. Amen? To keep at it, to keep going on, to keep preaching the word, to remind each other that this is why we're here. This is what we're about. It's not about me, myself, and I, but it's about the Lord God Almighty. It's about the Lord Jesus Christ. It's about him and pointing people to him. Be a finisher. As Paul is a finisher, we see his final words. He's he's spurring Timothy on to complete the calling. But, But be a finisher, spurring others to complete their calling. But also, as we will be accountable at his appearing as we to be accountable at his appearing as a matter of fact you look there in verse 1 it says i charge you therefore before god and the lord jesus christ who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom be accountable at his appearing we should be knowing that we need to complete our calling on life because we are to be we're going to be accountable to the lord listen friends there should be a healthy fear of the lord come on now There should be a healthy fear of the Lord. The realization that we will stand before holy God to give an account of our lives that we're living as believers. And so, and throughout the scripture, we see that theme over and over again. And also that we have this stewardship of our lives. As we've already said, God has gifted us. He has enabled us. He has called us. And so we have this stewardship that God has given us. What is it that we're doing with that? Are we being good stewards? What are you doing? Listen, what are you doing to fulfill your ministry? What are you doing to fulfill the ministry that God has given you right now? Well, I used to do that a long time ago. No, that's not the question. What are you doing to fulfill your ministry right now? Oh, but pastor, I'm waiting until I've got more time. No, that's not the question either. What are you doing to fulfill your ministry right now? Right now. What are you doing now for the Lord Jesus Christ? Are you being a good steward? Brothers and sisters, listen. Let's not be lazy servants. But be ready workers who are watching for his return. Amen? He has given us gifts. He has given us talents. He has enabled us to work for him. Your calling is something that God has called you to do. And I guarantee you that it's not just warming that pew on Sunday morning. Amen? 
That's not your calling. We're blessed by you being here, but that's not your calling in life. That's not your ministry. What is it that you need to be doing for the Lord? Now, let me just put the pause button and give you a little commercial. As you know, it's Promotion Sunday today. And Sunday school, so a lot of kids went up to the next level, to the next grade, next class. And we still have some teachers that we need. We still need some teachers in our children's classrooms. Now, brothers and sisters, listen to me. In a church full of 550 people, we should not have to be begging people to come and teach our children. If God's given you the gift, use it for his glory. And for those of you, maybe, I don't know, maybe some of you said, well, you know, I'm going to take a year off. But you said that probably three years ago. Your time is up. Amen? Your time is up. It's time to come on back and to be about God's business of doing what you're supposed to be doing. Fulfill your ministry. Be complete in your calling. And so we see that in Paul. We see that he's encouraging Timothy to do that. And that is to be our our calling as well. Because we're going to be held accountable before the Lord. Y'all with me this morning? Y'all glad to be here this morning? I'm just making sure. Good. All right. So we move on. I want, I don't know about you, but I want at the end of my life, whenever that is, and by the way, we don't know when that's going to be in all of our lives, but I want at the end of my life the Lord to be able to say, well done, good and faithful servant. That's what I desire for me. That's what I desire for you, that the Lord says that in all of our lives. We'll be held accountable. So be a finisher spurring on others, but also, secondly, be a finisher who's shameless. Who is shameless. We see that in Paul. In these next few verses here that Paul, about Paul, he is, as he writes out to Timothy, he's finishing his life. He could look back and he could literally be shameless in two areas specifically. And we're going to touch both of these. One, in faithfulness to him and in relationships with others. In faithfulness to the Lord and relationship to others. So Paul is shameless in his faithfulness to the Lord. Now, he's shameless first off, as we see in in 2 Timothy 1, as Paul uh, had encouraged Timothy to be faithful in sufferings. In in verse 12, we find that Paul indicated that he himself had been faithful and was not ashamed because of the change that the Lord had made in his own life and how Paul now was living that out. If you remember 2 Timothy 1, verse 12, just back a couple pages, he says, for this reason I also suffer these things. He's enduring much. He says, for this reason I suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed. For I know whom I have believed, and I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed to him until that day. He is saying, I am not ashamed. Now, here in these verses, Paul's life is laid out and reviewed, and Paul literally can say truly that he is shameless in his relationship to the Lord. And a couple reasons. The main reason, number one, is because of Paul's righteousness that's found in Christ. You see, when Jesus Christ went to the cross, brothers and sisters, he took Paul's shame upon himself at the cross. And he took your shame upon himself at the cross. And he took my shame when he, upon himself when he went to the cross. We are shameless before God because of the righteousness of Jesus Christ. But not only that, Paul can say, I am not ashamed because of what Jesus did for me on the cross, but also we can look at his life. Paul could stand before the Lord, a vessel that God has used, and, and know that he is shameless because he has lived out that life of faith devoted to Jesus Christ. Brothers and sisters, when we are 
saved. We're not to be saved and satisfied. Rather, we are to be delivered and devoted and doing the work of God. Paul says, I'm already being poured out as a drink offering. For the t- and the time of my departure is at hand. My departure. That is a beautiful word picture. We don't see it in the English. But the word here, departure, means hoisting anchor and setting sail. And that's exactly what Paul knows is about to take place in his life. He's about to hoist anchor of this life and to set sail into heaven. Boy, that's beautiful, isn't it? His departure is at hand. Another way that it can be described is it's the releasing of a prisoner. Departure is the releasing of a prisoner. And when Paul, as a believer, dies, he knows that the shackles of this old world are left behind. Amen? And we enter into the glory and the presence of the Lord Almighty. What a beautiful picture that is. My departure is at hand. He says he's being poured out. I'm already being poured out as a drink offering. The drink offering, when people would make sacrifices in that day, they would take this wine and they would pour it over the ritual sacrifice of the lamb as the final part of the offering. And as they would pour the wine over the sacrifice of the lamb, the aroma would ascend into heaven. So Paul is saying, that's my life. I'm the final offering. Here I am. This is the, I'm the drink offering. It's pouring out as a drink offering. Boy, don't you want your life to be an aroma, a sweet-smelling aroma to the Lord? That's what Paul is saying. I have poured my life out as a drink offering. Paul saw his death as the final offering to the Lord in a life that was already been full of sacrifice to him. And so, brothers and sisters, listen. When your life is over, Will people be able to say about you, he or she poured out his or her life for Christ? Have you poured out your life for Christ? When that preacher stands over your casket or whatever and talks about you, are we looking for him to say, boy, he sure was a, he sure was a nice guy? Or he, she sure was a fine lady? Well, those are good, but that's not the best. Wouldn't it be better to say, here's somebody whose heart was passionate for Jesus, who poured out their life for Christ as a drink offering to him. And now the aroma of his life ascends into heaven, and it is a sweet-smelling aroma to God. That's what Paul says. He's shameless before the Lord. Verse 7, we see, he says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. This is a summary of his life and his ministry. I have fought the good fight. That's the rigors, the the difficulties, the deprivations, the sacrifices. I have finished the race. He successfully completed his task. He's faithful to the end. He says, I have kept the faith, staying true to Jesus and staying true to the gospel. He has continued to proclaim the gospel. I have kept the faith. And then the wording, even in that verse, the tense indicates that these are completed actions that have continuing results. In other words, he is saying that I have fought the good fight, but there's still work that's being done because of it. And I have finished the race, but there's still work that's being done because of it. And I've kept the faith, there's still work that's being done because of it. 
So as Paul was faithful to his calling on Christ and, of Christ in his life, what he's saying is that the effects of what the Lord did in and through him is going on now, and it will continue to go on and on and on. And brothers and sisters, you need to know that that's what happens in your life as well. When you're faithful to the Lord, when you're obedient to Christ, when you follow through and you do all that he's called you to do, the effect of what you've done for Christ goes on and on and on. Amen? It goes on. Some of you may have seen a picture of me this week on Facebook. Is a picture of me when I had hair and a mustache. As a picture, it was actually my senior picture in college. And as I was looking at the picture, the lady who posted the picture, who is an older lady, said, my mom had this picture. Her mom was Bessie Hudson. Bessie Hudson was my Sunday school teacher when I was in kindergarten. And so as I was thinking about it, here's my Sunday school teacher who's, who's with the Lord now, passed, who left all of her stuff behind, obviously, and her daughter finds my picture. There's others that have been on from her as well to just say, beware. <laughs> but when I looked at that picture and saw that it was, Aunt, we called her Aunt Bessie even though she wasn't her aunt, but she was faithful to teach that Sunday school class of kindergartners. Sunday after Sunday after Sunday, week after week, month after month, year after year. And she, in, she invested in little children to tell them about Jesus. And even though she's with the Lord today, brothers and sisters, what she did goes on and on and on. Amen? Amen. It goes on and on. And so when you are faithful to the Lord, what you're doing for Him is not in vain. God uses it, and it goes on and on. So throughout all of your life, pour yourself out for Christ. Don't pour yourself out for getting ahead in this world. The world is going to cheat you. The world is going to deceive you. Pour yourself out for Jesus Christ. Pour yourself out for him. Be the salt in this world. Be the light in this world. Make the difference. Point people to Jesus and live out this life of faith, not just one day a week, but every single day that God gives you breath, live out the faith. Live it out. Be the finisher who finishes well. Paul then goes into verse 8 and he says, look, I fought the good fight. I finished the race. I've kept the faith. Finally, there's laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, is going to give to me on that day. He's saying, look, I'm looking forward to seeing Jesus. There's a crown of righteousness. It could be the crown is a literal crown that we think of, or the righteousness itself is the crown. But whatever the case, he's going to be with the Lord. He knows that's his heavenly reward. Even though he's been sentenced by some judge, by, by Emperor Nero, to be guilty and sentenced him to death, we know that the heavenly judge, the righteous judge, declares him righteous, and he's the one who gives him life. Paul is finishing well. So Paul is shameless because of his relationship with the Lord, but also because of his, his faithfulness to other people. His faithfulness to other people, his faithfulness to the Lord and his relationship to other people. So he is shameless in relationships with others. Relationships with others. Okay, preacher, now where do you get that from? Well, 
As we look here, at the, as he begins to talk about some of these people in the latter part from verse 9 and following, we see that Paul has a Christ-like attitude toward other people. When you look at verse 9 and 10, you see that he says, Be diligent to come to me quickly, Timothy, for Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world. He's departed for Thessalonica. So Demas evidently had been with Paul. He had evidently served the Lord with him, and, but Demas evidently had decided he'd had enough, and so he traded his love for the Lord for a love for this world, and he deserted, he forsook Paul. The word there means to utterly abandon. He abandoned Paul. Another person that we find here in his list of names is Alexander the coppersmith in verse uh, 14. Who sa- he says, did me much harm. May the Lord repay him according to his works. Uh, and it tells Timothy to watch out for him. So we're not sure exactly what Alexander the coppersmith did exactly, but it harmed and it hurt Paul. And yet we notice what Paul doesn't do. Paul doesn't say about Demas or Alexander the coppersmith, man, I hope they rot somewhere. He doesn't say that. He doesn't say, I will never forgive them. He doesn't say that. No, what happens is Paul does not retaliate, but he hands them over to the Lord. May the Lord take care of this. He doesn't retaliate. He is shameless before God because of his relationships with other people. As he stands before the Lord, he can be shameless. He's not retaliating. But then also we see here that Paul is shameless in his relationship toward Mark. When you look at verse 11, he says, Only Luke is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you, for he is useful to me for ministry. Well, what's the big deal about Mark there? Well, let me help you with that. You see, Mark had been with Paul on an earlier missionary journey, but for some reason, Mark left for home. And then later on, Barnabas wanted to take Mark on another trip, but Paul, remembering what Mark had done, rejected the idea, and it caused a division between Paul and Barnabas. And the Bible talks about how the contention was great. It was a great source of division and contention between the two. But then later we find that Mark was restored, and now we see Paul is, not, is, is saying about this same Mark, get Mark and bring him because he's useful to me in the ministry. You see, Paul is shameless in that he had reconciled past differences. Brothers listen, and sisters, listen. Be a finisher that's shameless as we stand before the Lord in our relationship with him and our faithfulness to him. But also let us be shameless in that our relationships with other people are good and godly. This life is too short to hold grudges. This life is too short to be bitter. Let us hand over past hurts and reconcile differences where we can. Let us finish well and be shameless before our God. Amen? Shameless. And then thirdly, we see that he is spurring on Timothy. We see that he is shameless. And then thirdly, be a finisher who is secure. Who is secure. As Paul comes to the end of his life, he knows where his security is. It's found in three things in these next few verses. His security is found, first off, in the presence of Jesus. Verse 16 and first part of 17, he says, At my first defense, no one stood with me. When I had to stand trial, we don't know when that was, maybe it was before Agrippa, when my first defense, no one stood with me, but all forsook me. May it not be charged against them. Even here we see Christ-likeness. I'm not holding this against them. But watch this. But the Lord stood with me. Some translations, he stood 
by me. He was secure knowing that he had the presence of Jesus with him. The Lord had never forsaken him. The Lord had never departed from him. But the Lord had been faithful to stand by him, to stay with me. And Paul knows his security is that he will be with me as well. In the presence of Jesus. His security is in the presence of Jesus. It's also in the power of Jesus. He says, the Lord stood with me and strengthened me. So that the message might be preached fully through me. That all the Gentiles might hear. He said, I have my security in knowing that the Jesus is with me, but also that he, I have his power. He strengthens me so that I might preach the message and all for his glory. And just as he stood by me and he strengthens me, he will stand by me and he will strengthen me. That's his security. He is finishing well. And then he says, not only in the presence of Jesus and the power of Jesus, but then his security is also in the promise of Jesus where he says, the latter part of verse 17 and verse 18, and I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion, which is danger. And the Lord will deliver me from every evil work and preserve me for his heavenly kingdom. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. You see, he believes in the promise of Jesus, that Jesus has delivered him out of the mouth of the lion, out of the mouth of danger. And he will deliver me, he says. Now, Paul is, Paul's already said he knows that his departure is at hand. He's not thinking here that he's going to get out of prison. His, his deliverance is the being delivered from this life and entering into the next. He will deliver me. He'll deliver me from this old world and enter me into his presence. His security was in the promise of Jesus. His presence, his power... And his promise. Paul knew he would be with the Lord. He finished well. So Paul, in reflecting on his life, could say, I have lived this life for Jesus. And as I've looked back on my life, there are no regrets. And there's no remorse. And there's no turning back. Because he had decided when The Lord got a hold of him on the Damascus Road to follow Jesus. And there was no turning back. Brothers and sisters, we do not know when we will breathe our last breath. We have no clue. We tend to think in our minds, oh, it's going to be a long time from now. We have no clue when that's going to be. And so since we don't know when that's going to be, and we know we do have such an awesome Savior... Let's live for him today, following Jesus today and every day with no turning back. Are we pouring ourselves out for Christ? Are we giving it our all? I think about a missionary who gave his all, which is where we get the song, No Turning Back, I Have Decided to Follow Jesus. Watch this video as we think about that. In mid-19th century India, a man converted to Christianity by Welsh missionaries was confronted by the chief of his village. The chief commanded him to renounce his newfound faith in Christ or face grave consequences. In response to the chief's threats, however, the man only replied,
Infuriated, the village chief dragged the man's family outside and began to threaten them with bodily harm. The man, unflinching, responded to the leader's ultimatum. and desperate to save face among the people, the village chief slaughtered the man's family in front of him. He turned his eyes to the steadfast convert, demanding that he either deny the works of Jesus or face his own death. In the center of the public square, the man was bound, beaten, thrown to the ground, and slowly crushed to death. But not without a final defiance of the village chief. As his bones were breaking and his lungs collapsing, the man's final words rang out in song through the village square. The call of Christ is clear. Forsake the dark and powerless system of this world and cling to the saving hope of the cross. Then and only then can you look to the shackles of your former life and declare that there is no turning back. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. Is that you today? Four real quick things. Be faithful. Don't be a Demas. Love the Lord with all your heart. Be focused. Preach the word. Be fearless. Be ready for your departure. And be a finisher. Cling to the cross. Stand by the open, the empty tomb with hope. And say, Lord, I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. Let's pray. Father, we pray that you would have your way in our hearts and our lives. As we come to this moment of invitation, you would speak to our hearts and guide us, Lord, to be the people of God that you have desired for us to be. Lord, we recognize that this following Jesus is not a game. It's not play acting. But it is commitment and devotion to a Savior who gave his life for us upon Calvary's cross. And we pray, Lord, that if there are those here today who have never trusted Jesus to be the Lord and Savior of their lives, that they would know that there is no one greater than Jesus. That he is our hope. He is our forgiveness. He is who reconciles us with God the Father. And so, Lord, I pray that you'd be with those who need to make that commitment today if I have decided to follow Jesus. For those of us, Lord, who are your people, who've made that commitment already, may we recommit ourselves to you today. So, Lord, I want you to have all of me. I want to pour myself out to you. I want my passion to be the passion of Jesus. I want to preach the word faithfully to the people that I come in contact with. That I meet people where they are and point them to Jesus in my conversations and in my life. God, help us to be the salt and the light. And to be the people of God you've called us to be faithfully. 
people who have decided to follow Jesus with no turning back, with no turning back. Lord, as we come to this invitation, allow your people to come and speak to Pastor Joe and myself. We just pray here silently as we commit or recommit ourselves to you, for you are worthy of our lives and pouring ourselves out for you. Have your way now, we pray, in Jesus' name, amen. You stand as we sing together. As God's dealt with your heart, you come.